here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Hello everybody, welcome to Press X to Reload for fans of games and films and the merging of the two, hopefully with as little pain as possible. Uh, I am Nick Moore, today with me is Wayne Brissett. Wayne? Good afternoon, gentlemen, or evening, whatever we are. And Mark Athanas. Mark? Yeah, uh, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're listening from. <laughs> whatever time of day you decide to listen to our sultry voices, here we are. And, in the uh, past, in the future, whatever it may be. <laughs> <laughs> the post-apocalyptic future, all there is is us. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. fair enough, there could be worse. Uh, so today we are going to be discussing another video game to film adaptation, this one being Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, uh, which was made mm -hmm. by Disney. So some real money was thrown behind this. It makes it stand out a little bit compared to other ones there. You guys go first. I want to hear your opinion of the film. Uh, I thought it's a pretty solid film from beginning to end. It, it's it's nonstop story as well. They play it safe, but it's done well. Fair enough. That's that's just my quick little opinion on it. Yeah, I totally um, – I definitely agree that, yeah, you definitely see the the bigger budget, bigger named actor in it, obviously, and Jake uh, Gyllenhaal. But I was shocked, actually. I forgot it was a Disney movie until – I uh, I queued it up to to watch. I was like, "This is a Disney movie." I assume you didn't watch it on Disney Plus then. <laughs> I did not watch it on Disney Plus. I watched it and rented it on Amazon as opposed to watching it for free on Disney Plus. <laughs> and it was when the logo was going across my screen. I was like, "I've made a terrible, terrible mistake." <laughs> we should discuss that before each movie. We should. I was certain uh, I told I you it was, it was on, on Disney Plus, but oh well. <laughs> you could have. You absolutely could have. Um, I thought it was fine. Uh, I thought, you know, again, it's a video game movie. Light on plot, but of coherent one, easy to follow. And um, fun. Like, the action's fun. The pacing is fun. You know, it's... It gives enough nods to the video game. I forgot how much they parkour in it. So, yeah, good times. <laughs> so, I agree. I enjoyed this film. So, a couple of things. One, I always like to go on Rotten Tomatoes before I start these just to see where the score is at. Uh, any yeah. guess as to the percentage that they gave this film? Uh, fan or, like, critic? Well, I know they made the comment that this was panned uh, by reviews. I don't know what the score is, though. So, the critics, 37%. 37 yeah, I get that. The audience score, surprising to me, only 58. I would have pegged this at higher than 58. Me too. By no means a perfect film, but I have to say, this is maybe the most video gamey video game to film translation I've seen yet. 100% for a couple agree. Of points. And 100 maybe agree. not yes. maybe not for the reasons you think 100%. I'm going to bring up, but bear with <laughs> bear with okay, me. Then. So, first off, it takes place, you know, as it says, Prince of Persia. It's, you know, it's in Persia. Uh, and the main character is the white protagonist hero. That's the most video gamey yeah. stock character I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> now, yeah. 
Yeah. I know we've we've kind of picked on Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, everyone has for, you know, like the whitewashing of it and him being in it. When I was looking up this, one thing that I found really interesting looking at the IMDb, according to the IMDb, none of the actors in this are of Persian descent. Yeah, zero. Jake Gyllenhaal and Gemma Arteron yeah. have partial Jewish descent. Uh, Alfred Molina is Spanish and Italian descent. Ben Kingsley of Anglo and Indian descent. No one's Persian, but everyone kind of piles on Jake Gyllenhaal. He's absolutely great in the role. He has a yeah. levity to him as a, a leading man, as a hero that I really enjoyed. It actually reminded me a bit of like Brendan Fraser from The Mummy, like that kind of leading mm-hmm. man. He almost at times seems to know that he's a character in a story the way that it plays out. Uh, he has a, a levity when the other characters don't seem to, even when he's and we'll get into it, on the run for the supposed death of his adopted father. But I really liked him as a leading man. I, I wish he had more of these Hollywood-type roles thrown at him. But the other reason why it is maybe the most video gamey film I've ever seen, this has... The way that it's directed feels like a video game in the sense of cutscenes and in-game. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have an early scene in it where him and his brothers are going to storm Amalot? Alamot? Alamut. I don't know. Alamut. Alamut. There we go. I remember because it sounded kind of like a French dog. Alamut. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're going to storm Alamut, and he sneaks in with his band of like mercenaries. And at one point, his mercenaries are describing to him the steps required to prop open the gate so he can let the rest of the forces in. And as they're describing it, the exposition of you have to hit this switch, open this up, it's panning around to all those things. It felt like the beginning of a video game level telling you where you have to go, and then it pans around behind him like the camera giving control of the character, and he starts going. I don't know if that's an intentional move by the director, but if it's not, holy crap, subconsciously he knows it's a video game, and if it's intentional, I got it, and I really dug it. It was kind of awesome. Yeah, I agree. The fir- one of the first things I said when we were watching that opening scene was this is the tutorial for the movie. Yeah, they do it a couple times. You know, the, the, the story starts off saying, oh, we're going to storm the castle. Your job uh, in game is to yeah. go to the side and yeah. sneak in. We're going to shoot yeah. arrows and that's how you're going to learn to climb. And then you're going to learn oh, how to flip amazing. off. Like it just it, it, it felt like a video game tutorial just watching it. <laughs> yeah. The idea of he's sneaking up the side of the castle while one of his comrades is firing bolts into the castle to create handholds and he's climbing up. That was something I don't think I've ever seen in no. in any sort of an action film. Usually recall. it's toss the grappling hook over and climb up. That was really inventive and it felt, again, very video game-ish. Like that was yeah. like press X to not die kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah like when he was running <laughs> well, up the wall, and even the you way think he that's all he's going to do. Running up the wall, yeah. 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 Like that stuff was cool. Now, to poke fun at it a bit, the other thing that felt very video gamey, in all of the story scenes, you can clearly tell it's Jake Gyllenhaal, your nice pre-rendered, beautiful pixel-looking character. Yeah. A lot of the action scenes, it is uh, a lot of quick cuts to clearly show that it is the stuntman. <laughs> it is the ugly yeah, in-game stuntman, graphics. Yeah. And uh, you're using the game engine at that point. All of the parkour, all of the fight scenes, there's a lot of quick cuts where you can go, here's a shot of Jake Gyllenhaal up close looking all heroic. And now here's the stunt double working his hardest to make that parkour happen. But with the long hair obscuring his face. Was the stunt double Persian? <laughs> oh, it's the two princes. It's the sequel already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought uh, there were times, again, especially with some of the action scenes where it's just like, that was a random choice to throw a blue screen in the back of that. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's like the actor jumping off of like probably like a two foot box. They needed the action shot of him falling. And then it's a quick cut 
to someone else clearly doing the the tuck and roll or the run or whatever it is. It's just like, that's cool. You know, very different than what you would see today. There's a few bad editing cuts that, especially during the action, Mm -hmm. that throw the balance off a little bit. But, I mean, nothing that takes away from being still an exciting film. There was a lot of overcuts to the action, which was my only frustration. But even those, like, blue screeny ones where it's Gyllenhaal and he's clearly the one going through the air, but you know that the stuntman's going to do the landing, it still looked like a cool leap and it had... And I know we've referenced it before, but mm. that Uncharted-esque quality of like the slow-mo during the leap before he makes it and then he lands, that felt mm. like an intentional choice to do the, okay, we'll, we'll do this on a green screen somewhere where there's a mat that Hall can land on without murdering himself. Those I had no problems <laughs> with. Those look cool. Whereas at one point I counted six cuts during an action scene in one second. It's like, oh my good God, it's like a strobe effect. <laughs> it was a little <laughs> yeah, blinding. Yeah. So. yeah. It's from the Iron Fist school of filming action. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish that they'd either done more long shots that gave the stuntman a chance to do their thing without having to worry about it being Hall's face or allowed him a bit more time to, to rehearse so the fight scenes could do fewer cuts. But the fight scenes were really inventive. There was some pretty yes. cool action happening. Yeah. You know what's funny, too? It's when you're when you're looking back at, especially looking back at some of these older movies, they just that wasn't what Hollywood did. Like Hollywood, the, the actor did, didn't do their – if you're not Tom Cruise, you're not doing your own actions. Yeah. Um, that's changed now where I would say you know, 40 to 50% of the action, if they can get away with it, it's going to be the actor, but not back then. What I also found interesting is that watching this game brought back all the old memories from all the old trailers oh, – sorry, movie brought back all the old trailers for this game where I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I've always it, parkouring in video games has been it been a staple for so long. You would have thought the Assassin's Creed invented it, but it was actually this game, this game series. I feel like that was the inventor of the first wall run. Yes, know? like I played Sands of Time, and it was a really fun game. And I mean, mm-hmm. they changed the plot a bit for this because let's face it, Sands of Time, while it's a really fun game, the plot's pretty thin. Yeah, I think the story in this was maybe one of its strongest aspects. It was a straightforward yeah. story, mm-hmm. but it had enough twists and turns to it in terms of, you know, his adopted father, the king, taking him in when he's a peasant out on the streets. And then that king being murdered and him being, we know he's framed for it, but by who? Is it one of the other two brothers? Is it the the king's brother, his uncle? Like, we all kind of suspect Ben Kingsley because he just plays villains. But for a brief moment... Mm. I thought it might have actually been the the oldest of the brothers who was next Tuss. to the throne. I thought Tuss yeah. could yeah, have been the one to do it. They threw me off just enough. The funny thing with that, with Ben Kingsley as the villain, is I, I'd say out of all the movies we've done so far, and yes, I'm including Double Dragon on this, this this is actually <laughs> probably the weakest villain on screen of these films so far. But And it's a shame because you do have an actor like Ben Kingsley. Who's amazing. But he was written into a corner, right, because his character – how he's betraying them, if at any point he, you know, reveals himself, they would all just stop him. So he's written in a corner to always be kind of a villain that's not really doing anything, but is like he doesn't really have any great, cool moments. Yeah, it's not till about the halfway point where Dustan, Gyllenhaal's character, realizes that he's the one behind it, that he has a chance to twirl the mustache, so to speak. And at that yeah. point he becomes a mm-hmm. lot more fun to watch. And I even kind of like his motivation. I mean the very simple idea of just jealousy of the throne. Sure. But 
they do a good job of just building up that contempt inside him. You can see that even though it's wrong, you can see how he's just slowly over time grown to hate his brother for the fact Mm -hmm. that he has to serve his brother. Yeah. He was a solid enough performance once he was allowed to, but I agree. The first half of it, he has to pretend to be good. And Ben Kingsley is way more interesting as a villain than a hero. He just is. Agreed. (laughs) But the other one who surprised me, because I didn't know he was in it, Alfred Molina Molina. stealing (laughs) the movie. Stealing the First off, the fact that he's... (laughs) Camel. Oh, God. That he's a mercenary in the middle of, like, the Badlands who's created this reputation of, like, cannibalistic, evil marauders. And if you go out there, you'll die. No, they're just mercenaries and merchants who don't want the king to mess with them. And they gamble ostrich riding races. <laughs> yeah. How it's awesome. And it's fixed. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and it's fixed. <laughs> and it's fixed. They're easy to fix. They're the easy to fix. Yeah. That's the... Uh, Every scene he's in, he's one of some of the most entertaining, lively, like just he's so much fun every time he shows up. Oh, yeah. He's every amazing. Moment. And the yeah. uh, the Mbaka guy that he has with them with the, the dagger throwing, mm-hmm. he was really cool. And I know two yes. thirds of the way through when he stands up to Alfred Merlin and says they need to do the right thing. Corinne looks at me and goes, is that the first time he's ever talked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it was yeah, actually. It was. Yeah. He's like he's like Silent it Bob. It he is. only speaks when it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I know. He was good. I love that running gag too, for whatever reason. Have I ever told you about the knives throwers from Mbaka? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I've ever told you about the Mbakas. <laughs> yeah, but I love, I love it because of how it ends, right? With the, his final toss, it's oh, yeah. so wicked. Because it's like they all know that's the last time he's done that, but it's such a wicked toss. Like, oh, oh so yeah. Good. So like, yeah, like throwing the the dagger from the top of the the tower, palace, all right. the way the palace. Sorry, all the way out next to a tree standing by the heroes who are waiting for the dagger. But to rewind a, a, a brief moment. That's a natural there, 20. Oh, 100%. Natural 20. <laughs> Movie's full of them. That is pressing the button at exact right spot, getting the bonus for it. Just, <laughs> yeah. that's the that's yeah. the call of duty where you see someone throw the dagger into the air and on the kill cam it hits the guy running across the actual <laughs> yeah. battlefield. I always love those. Yes. But that's, that's who this guy is. But... To catch up anyone who has not seen this film, uh, which shouldn't be that many people, it, it made decent bang. Jake Chillenhall's character, Dustin, him and his group invade Alamut, and he gets a hold of, inadvertently, this dagger that can rewind time. Uh, and then the entire struggle is getting a hold of this dagger and finding the source of the, the sand that powers this dagger because Ben Kingley's character wants to rewind time so that he can basically be king and have his brother offed. I love the design of the dagger, specifically the fact that to activate it is a jewel at the bottom of the hilt that is literally pressing a button to rewind time. How video gamey is that? Mm -hmm. It is not doing a chant, not saying anything. It's pressing a button. And it looks... Press X. Right. But it still looks like it makes sense within that world. It doesn't look stupid. But when you say it out loud, it is kind of silly and video gamey. But it works really well. And the effect for going back in time looked amazing. Yeah. And it's amazing how many people handled the knife without accidentally pressing that button. Right. Because it is such a simple thing to yeah, do. Yeah, because it's not a natural, <laughs> but it's also not a natural way to hold a natural. knife. Like if you're grabbing a knife, you well, don't. It depends if you're just in a, a stabbing bottom, motion, like, like coming guy, down like, you know, Halloween. <laughs> but the one guy, um, when they're in the ostrich place, the one guy's like, oh, it melted down for the jewel. And the one guy tries to bite the jewel out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just a yeah. jewel. If you're, if it's a weapon, it's yeah. just a weapon. What I what I also appreciated was the rules. So it's the, it's only got a minute worth of sand. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you can only go back a minute. It's not game breaking in terms yeah. of the movie's rules. 
when you once you establish that, you perfectly set up what is the greater threat. The greater threat is he's trying to reverse time by years and decades. And so right. the power to do that would destroy things because, hey, a minute here or there, not a big deal. But something significant like that, you're going to destroy the, the world. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It didn't get used super often. I think I counted five times no. total the knife gets used. And it's pretty cool each time. Yeah. yeah. And every time they used it, it made sense story-wise to do it. Like the first time he does it, he does it by yeah. accident when he's about to get stabbed by the yeah. princess who he's run off with after getting accused. Mm. She tries to attack him. he does him. it again because he doesn't – And then he does it again because he doesn't understand how it worked. And uses up the full minute of it. Yeah. So now he understands the rules. And apparently that was about 55 seconds that he rewound in both cases. So the movie actually adheres to the minute long rule, which is pretty neat. Uh, oh, I read up it was like 35 awesome. seconds the first time and then 20 seconds the second time. Like, okay, cool. And then later on when he presents the knife to Tusk, to his brother, and to prove to him that this big oh, plot yeah. is going on, stabs himself with the blade and then gives it to Tuss, yes. hoping that Tuss will figure out what it does and rewind time to save Dustan's life and bring him back, proving Within that the minute. knife works. Yeah. Within a minute. Within a minute. <laughs> yeah, yes. that he'll yeah. figure it out quickly to prove that, <laughs> yeah. no, no, our uncle is really evil. He is really trying to rewind time. This dagger really does work. That was really cool. I thought that was played out pretty well. He hit it at the uh, when the, the assassin came and did the snakes out of the sand. Yes. He did that. He hit yeah. it there. Oh, too. yeah. And then, yeah. The idea That's of the assassin setting a bunch of snakes to, to attack people in the camp and then him rewinding time just enough to know where every snake is going to be <laughs> so you can kill them all. That was a really cool yeah. action sequence. Like, the yeah. knife was handled way better than I thought it was going to be. I was worried because yeah. the video yes. game, it recharges itself and only gives you like five seconds. So I was yeah. worried that he'd just be rewinding every single thing that he does. But to increase the amount of time that it works for, so up to a minute, but decrease how often you can use it was a really smart move in the on the storyteller's yeah. part. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's very specific, the sand you can use to. I love that scene. He's trying to put regular sand in there. And the prince is just looking at him like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it requires special sand. It's, you can't just put anything in there. Like, I just, I love it. They're, they're world building within the context of the world they're creating. Everything made sense. Yeah, no, totally. They didn't break any of their own rules. They, everything they did made sense. I, mean, I really yeah. enjoyed that. And she deserves a special mention because she was a really fun mm -hmm. character to play off of him. Yeah, their chemistry is fantastic. Well, and we've seen the fiery, no-nonsense princess before. I mean, you've got Leia, you've got Jasmine. But mm -hmm. there was... He says it really well himself. He calls her spoiled at one point, And there is a mm -hmm. spoiled nature to her, the way that she carries herself... But she's not incompetent. She's still able to be able to take care of herself if there's danger. She's still clever enough to be able to work herself out of a situation she gets into. But she is kind of hoity-toity as well. <laughs> like, Yeah, she knows how to manipulate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she felt like a fully realized character, and I appreciated that. And their chemistry is amazing. God, they despise mm. each other. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. I love all of their playful... Like, they're genuinely playful banter. Yes. And yeah. unrelated to, to video games, but, you know, the, the failing of the Phantom, um, not the Phantom Menace, but Attack of the Clones is the, the love story between Anakin and Padme. It's just not written with that same natural chemistry that they seem to have. 
the little yeah. playful banter, the back and forth. And it's a very similar story beat of two people on the run needing to depend on each other. It's just done so well here where they're, they're both having fun at each other's expense. <laughs> well, that's part of them learning <laughs> about each other. Each other. <laughs> they're, they're learning about each yeah. other on the way, right? And like you mentioned in Attack of the Clones, yes. they don't learn each other. They just, he's been infatuated with her since he was a child. Yeah. He doesn't even yeah. know her it's really. stalker forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like this one, I mean, they start off literally at each other's throats. And over the course of the, the story, them kind of outwitting each other to see who can get a hold of the dagger because she wants to protect it and he wants to be able to use it to prove his innocence and separating and then reuniting through fate or bad luck or whatever you want to call it. They become more and more reliant on each other and more comfortable with each other. By the end of it, they make sense as a duo. Whether or not it's romantic or not, mm-hmm. and of course you know it will be, they actually feel like they make sense as a partnership to kind of be mm-hmm. able to, to fight the main bad guy at the end. And that felt really natural. Like, it didn't feel forced. They did a good job over the course of the film mm-hmm. building on that relationship between them. I did find it interesting, and spoilers for those who have not watched the movie and somehow are still <laughs> listening to us. He does manage to stop Ben Kingsley while he's trying to rewind all of time to be able to kill his brother through this pillar underneath, which is, again, a very video gaming sequence that we can get to. But he's sucking all of the sand out of it to keep rewinding time. She sacrifices herself so that Dustan can stop him. He does manage to rewind just enough time to, as far as I can tell, bring the king back to life. They have just taken over Alamut. No bad stuff has happened yet. Mm -hmm. So his brothers, who died during the course of the story, do not die the Mbaka guy with the awesome knife throwing, he's cut back to life, which I'm very happy about. Everything is undone, but the plot still exists for Ben Kingsley's character to take over, and he's able to stop him, and then meets her, and she shouldn't have any connection to him, but he knows just enough about her that he can try and, like, start that relationship up again. They don't immediately pick up where they left off. But he understands her enough, even though she doesn't understand him, that he can try and prove he's worth trusting and get off onto a good start, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things when you introduce the element of time travel in movies is when you start killing people off, <laughs> it's not as emotional of a death when you start killing the brothers and the Mbaka guy and the king because you're like, that's eh, a time travel movie. They're probably going to bring them all back to life. <laughs> so just wait. <laughs> They're just going to end game this. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny because if you were to make that movie now, one of the things that you would have to make either poignant or spend more time on is like the character goes through a significant amount of loss <laughs> over the course of the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, Quite a bit. In the same scene, he loses his he loses his father and his best friend in the same scene. A few mm-hmm. scenes later, he's betrayed by his father figure and the uncle. Then he loses his one brother and then he loses his last brother and then he loses his just discovered love interest and he's kind of just powering through all of that. There's no pause or stop or reflection or yeah. a moment of like genuine anguish. It's the hero syndrome. Five seconds of sad face. Five seconds. It's it's the skip yeah. cut scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You skip the cut scene where he has to explain his emotions. <laughs> I think that would be made differently now. Yes, it I would I think be. they'd spend more time with it and, and ground it a bit more. But I agree that like, you know, especially recalling the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, okay, like these characters died, but like, A, you don't get to spend a whole lot of time with anyone who dies. No one who dies is a fully fleshed out character. If you're told about them, you've sure. got a few scenes where you get to see them. The only person who dies you really cared about 
is the princess because even the knife thrower like you said he doesn't he's in like several scenes before he speaks for the first time so it, it does none of their deaths can resonate and hit you because you're like they're yeah, turning they, back they're, time they're a background character you know right and yeah, as and Wayne says just fix this. if you expect that they're going to turn back time some of the tension there is lost right and it's easy yeah. to write characters to die when you're like well we can whoever we kill we can just bring right back so we're sure safe. and I don't think anyone yeah. going into this movie is going oh man I wonder if he'll beat the villain no. We're all I fairly agree. confident he's going to beat the villain. It's more about that roller coaster ride. It's like when you play a video game. Let's face it. You don't play the game going, oh, man, I wonder if I'm going to face a final boss or if I'll just die in a cutscene. You know you'll face the final boss and you'll have an ending. Like I said, this might be the most video gamey movie adaptation that we've <laughs> looked agree. at in terms of accuracy. It really adheres to sure. a lot of the rules of a game and yet still manages to be a coherent and fun movie. Agreed. I'm pretty mm-hmm. impressed by that. My only gripe, like I mentioned earlier is switching between Jake Gyllenhaal to the stuntman. The number of cuts that happen sometimes is jarring. It starts to mess with the geography of the fight. Mm-hmm. The The best example, and it's not even Gyllenhaal, it's at the very beginning when you have young Dustan as a street rat, so to speak, who sees mm-hmm. another young peasant being like accosted by a noble and he yells for him to stop and the king is there with his brother to see this happening. And that noble chases after him across rooftops with his guards, across the city, and finally, like, grabs a hold of him and brings him back to cut off his head. They keep cutting back to the king and the uncle, staring at this fight happening, looking along with it as they go through the city and across rooftops. How in the good Farah! Holy hell! Can they see what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like, none of that makes sense to me. They've got the they, Altair eagle vision, yeah. They travel yeah, city I think blocks. if they hold L2, if they hold L2, it's an <laughs> isometric view. L2, they pan the camera. You pan the camera. The geography became a little confusing to me, and I think that yes. set the it set the stage almost in a positive way for me to go, well, I guess that means I can't think too hard about it, because they've already proven that either the king can see through ah! walls, or <laughs> the geography doesn't matter, it's just the fun of the moment. I think that yes. defines the whole movie. The whole movie is like that. It's just the fun of the yes. movie. The you do have to let yeah. certain things go. It's, it's just a roller yeah, coaster action film. Have fun. First. I, I don't think those yeah, numbers gonna, that you have fun first. the numbers that you said from Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. I don't think those are justified both on the critic level and the users. But that's just my opinion, right? I, I think it's better than both of what mm-hmm. they're saying. And I agree. I think that this movie is better than both what you're seeing on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience score. And again, it's not that you should always trust the critic. You make up your own mind, but I was surprised that even the audience score wasn't higher because I enjoyed this. To me, this was at least a solid seven, you know, seven, seven and a half out of ten as a movie. Ignoring if it's a video game translation, just as a movie, it was a solid seven out of ten film, and I, I walk away with a smile on my face. As a video game translation, with all those small things they did, or like when he's early on when he's uh, invading the castle and the camera pans around and up behind him like you're using the right stick to move the camera behind a character all of those feel intentional they feel very video gamey and they raise it a point for me I thought those were kind of neat moments right Yeah. Uh, so I was really happy with it yeah because I feel it's the same thing when you're getting the quick cuts of okay I've got to I'm going to climb this tower hook up the rope to it swing into the window drop the weight <laughs> to drop the pitch and light it on fire, it all seems, again, very <laughs> video gamey. Like, yeah. okay, he's got step-by-step step of what he's got to do. And it, it, I think that shot of him, like, standing with the camera panning around him while he's holding the rope before he – like, that's right out of the game. Like, that's oh, – yeah. you yeah. know, it, it's something that 
you would familiar see familiar with from a video game perspective in the Assassin's Creed. You oh, know, for the sure. Eagle Eye, Especially you, Assassin's you know, Creed. Altair or whoever Ezio, you know, crawls up to a high place and it does the eagle pan. Like, <laughs> that should exactly kill anyone. That is. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, and, and where he falls into a bale of hay from 900 feet. Yeah. There's a really specific moment when he's trying to prop open the gate at the beginning so that they can get in where he props open just enough and then grabs one of the guards and uses his own back yeah. to hold it in place and slams <laughs> him down. Like, if it was, if I was taking this series of, of film, that is a cruel, unspeakable thing to do to a human being. But yeah. in a video game, that's just what the, the character does. And he does the smile and you're like, oh, it's amazing. I got an achievement for that. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it all felt very unreal and not in a negative way. It just felt surreal. Like there, they treated it like it wasn't mm-hmm. really a, a grounded experience and it's better for it. I mean, if it was a grounded experience, you couldn't have assassins made out of dust clouds firing snakes out of the floor and they are yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> or the guy who's reloading whatever those like little nail guns are on his arm. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. he was fighting the Mbaka there, they, I like that one shot where he comes out and just both of his hands are failing nonstop, yeah. pulling them from his back. It was yeah. just, that looked amazing. <laughs> And none of that yeah. makes any sense. I know nothing no, like that would have existed have in the times of Persia. <laughs> but I don't care because it looks amazing. It yeah. is those are mini bosses yeah. and it's freaking great. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Literally. But yeah, very little negative to say. I was genuinely entertained beginning to end. Mm -hmm. The one-liners, especially anything Alfred Molina says, are just outstanding. Holy crap, that guy kills me. (laughs) Just the, why are you hiding here? Taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, really? Taxes, you know what their true evil is? There's something at the end, too, he made me laugh at where he's talking about, oh, a knife throw with a conscience, and I'm I'm semi-untrustworthy or something like that. Yeah. He threw in the word semi-untrustworthy. Yeah. Semi-untrustworthy. But yeah, just really solid performances, solid action. I, I would recommend this to anyone, whether they're a fan of video games or not. But if you are a fan of video games, there'll be a lot of cool little things in terms of the type of action sequences they set up. Uh, like when they're underneath uh, at the end trying to get to this pillar of sand and everything's crumbling and he's sliding and then mm-hmm. does a ridiculous leap and just happens to almost trip into the entrance to the next level and looks up like, oh, that worked out well. <laughs> yeah, he passed the quick time event. <laughs> you know, what's actually interesting about that is when they're actually walking on that little path where it's like, don't let anything hit the, the ground. Oh, that, yeah. And then the one pebble hits the ground and she's like, run. This has to be the first time in movie history where... You, you know, you're expecting the action scene where they're running along that only path while everything is falling yes. behind them, and he doesn't even move. He just goes down with everything. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, that's that. I didn't yeah. expect that. <laughs> she makes the path because she knows yeah. it, and you can see the path is there. <laughs> she says run, but doesn't tell him where to run, so he just <laughs> runs straight into the ground. <laughs> this is good. He doesn't move. That's the best. He doesn't even move. He just he, sees. It's like, where does he it go? He falls, and his... His reaction is the most real reaction you've ever seen. What? And he just falls. <laughs> he doesn't. He never takes a step because it's the run. What do you mean run? Oh God! And you're where? Gone. Like it's so good. Is there anything that we've missed? Anything that's kind of worth bringing up? I feel like we've covered all the main points. I really recommend this. It was a lot of fun. No, I would. I would agree with you. I'd, I would finish this off by saying it's. It's a solid flick. It's. It's entertaining. It is simple, uh, but. Very straightforward. It's, it's an enjoying film for everyone. I would. Th- I would. Say. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely recommend. Again, I'd recommend it. I think it's it's a fun watch. You're not going to take it too seriously, and it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And again, the movie is better for it. So, 
absolutely uh, don't know what the critics were thinking. Again, maybe one of those movies where um, I don't know how much controversy they had over the you know the infamous whitewashing when they made this. Um, I don't there was think a little bit, as but as, as some things have been, yeah. But it is a shame because I do believe that it was a fun movie. I have nothing against Jake Gyllenhaal. I thought he was awesome in it. Yeah. He's awesome in a lot of things he does. And yeah, I, I totally dug the movie. I want more films where he's a lighthearted leading man based off of this. I could see him carrying a franchise. Yeah. I wish this one did a little bit better. Yeah. Because I would have watched a follow up. I would watch a sequel in a heartbeat. Same. Yeah. But right. we're not going to get him. one. No, no. We're never getting one. Well, it's a video game adaptation. <laughs> Good luck on those. We'll get a reboot, not whitewashed. When you do get a sequel to a video game adaptation, you get Mortal Kombat Annihilation. But, uh. <laughs> We'll get there. No, we won't. (laughs) No, we won't. All right. So next time we are going to be covering Doom, the first person shooter turned into a film starring Carl Urban and Dwayne Johnson. The fact that you have two big names like that, it can only be good. Uh, So again, (laughs) I am Nick Moore. With me has been Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Gentlemen, have a good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review, we'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next stage.